Um, in the days of old, what we would today probably call a mental hospital was called a sanatorium. And that's where patients would go. And there's a story that's been told of doctors who would evaluate whether a patient was ready to leave the sanatorium or not. And the test was this. They would have a room with a towel floor with a sink that was filled up and it was overflowing with water. They'd give the patient a, a mop and a bucket and said, clean up the mess. If the doctor came back 15 minutes later and that patient was continuing to mop up the floor and just wring out the water in the bucket but had done nothing to turn off the faucet and the water continued to flow, the doctor would say, you know what, they still need to stay here. But if that patient would actually turn off the faucet and just mop up the remaining water, wring it out and clean up, they would say, it's time for this patient to now go. And this is a preacher tale. I've heard this thing told so many times. Google it to see if it's true. I don't know if it's true. But here's the principle in this. The principle in this is that rather than dealing with the symptoms, to go to the source and deal with the source. Because if you don't deal with the source of your problem, you're going to continue to deal with the symptoms. If you don't deal with the root of your problem and you just continue to deal with the fruit, you're going to continue to have those problems. And we all think and we hear that story about mopping up the floor and cleaning up the mess. But I would argue that for many of us, rather than dealing with the source of many of our problems in our lives, at work, at school, or in our marriage, or in our community groups, or here at worship, rather than dealing with the source problem, the root issue, we deal with just the fruit or the symptoms alone. Let me give you some examples of what that looks like. When we have the fruit of conflict in marriage or relationships, we escape or just plain avoid the person. When we have the fruit of emotional or relational pain, we try to numb it with alcohol, drugs, or binge watching. We have the fruit of hopelessness. We buy new things, try new things, date new people, or find a new job. When we have the fruit of turmoil, we take that vacation or have a few drinks. When we have the fruit of fear, we try to control and plan more. When we have the fruit of inadequacy or insecurity, we put up a front we try to prove our worthiness, fight to be right, or tout our accomplishments. We have the fruit of restlessness. We go to do something, anything. We have the fruit of dissatisfaction. We live vicariously through our kids, do ministry for the wrong reasons, or pursue new things. We have the fruit of stress and business. We work when we should be playing and play when we should be working. So for honest with ourselves, often, rather than dealing with the, the main core issues, the source, the root, We'd rather deal with the fruit. But today we're going to look at what to do when we discover the root. So if you have your Bibles, look at Acts 3. How do we deal with the root problems in our lives that have the manifestations of fruits and symptoms in our relationships, in our own lives? Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 1, we found this from two weeks ago, that Acts is a book about the kingdom, the rule of Jesus Christ, as it builds, right, be his witnesses to build his kingdom was our tagline. Be his witnesses to build his kingdom. And last week, my good friend Pierre Cannings, uh, we all blessed by him last week, for those of you here. All right, three of y'all were. That's great. I'll text him later today. Three people said, woo. Um, talked about Acts 2, and we find this in Acts 2, this thing called the church, this community in Jerusalem, because they were called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, and that's the layout of the book of Acts. We see in chapters 1 through 7, really their ministry in Jerusalem. That's what we're going to look at today. 
and how they're going to experience more and more persecution, even though initially in Acts 2 that Pierre looked at last week, they had favor with all people. But starting in chapter 3 and 4, we're going to start to see opposition. So in Acts chapter 3, we find this, that there is a lame beggar who's at the beautiful gate. The word beautiful is an adjective describing one of the three gates in one of the temples, uh, temple courts. So here we are in Jerusalem, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour. For those who don't have the New Living Translation, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The hour of prayer. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asked to receive a charitable gift. So notice this, that there's this man who's been lame. He's unable to walk since birth. In uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 22, we find that he is over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man who's been lame from the people who are going into the temple to make sacrifices, donations from the people who are going into the temple to make sacrifices and pray and those who are leaving. And he's chosen this location because obviously when people are trying to really get their hearts right with the Lord, they're going to hopefully reach out and be generous and kind to other people. So he set himself up in this very appropriate location. When I was pastoring uh, in the south side of Houston, uh, our landlocked campus uh, was very tight, had very limited parking. So we actually had to rent some parking from across the street. So we had this very large parking lot that we leased from the Star Hope. We had the road in between, and we had this little crosswalk. And regularly, uh, probably once or twice a year, these two same guys, their car would break down on a Sunday morning right at the crosswalk. So right as people are coming into the worship service or leaving the worship service, there are these two guys whose car just happened to break down right at this crosswalk. And eventually we found out that they were scamming people and all that. And we actually had a drug deal go down bad in front of our church. So we had to call security, like uh, off-duty law enforcement. And eventually they said to these guys, look, quit scamming these people as they're coming into worship and leaving. Obviously not the case here, but he's chosen an ideal location because people's hearts are now attuned to the Lord. But notice this, for 40 years... 40 years, the people who've been coming in to the temple and leaving the temple have seen this lame beggar, and he's asking for money. Now, is this real problem and real need money? No. And yet, the easy thing to do is to just hand out a little bit of money to this lame beggar who's been there for 40 years. They've seen this man for over 40 years asking for alms. The symptoms they see, the fruit they see, and they really address the fruit without ever really getting down to the root issue. But you know what? We do the exact same thing. I'm ask you this question. How many of y'all have a, like a really, really annoying coworker who desperately needs Jesus? Like you, you have that annoying coworker. Okay. We all have them, right? Not at Vice City. I mean, I work here, so please, please. Uh, Joel, you're good. You're good, Joel. Ryan, you're good too. But you know what? There is that annoying coworker that everybody sees. We all see the fruit. We see the fruit of that really arrogant coworker. We see the fruit, the symptoms of that really difficult to work coworker. And no one addresses the root issue. It's so easy to see and observe the fruit and the symptoms. We see that in our own marriages, like I mentioned. We see that in our relationships. But it's much easier to ignore it or to numb it 
than to deal with the root issue. So Peter and John see this man. So here's point number one. We all see the fruit of our problems. We all see the fruit of our problems. Every one of us see the fruit of our problems and often the people around us at work. And it's easy to toss a few dollars, give a few trite advice and things like that rather than dealing with the real problem at hand. Uh, there's a, a disease amongst trees for those of you who maybe have an apple tree or pear tree called root rot. And root rot, let me see if I get the technical name, is Phytophthora cholera rot is the name of it. And it's Phytophthora cactorum is the bacteria that causes it. And this is what you see is you see the symptoms in the tree itself. So you may again see trees wither, leaves wither, nothing buds, the fruit begins to rot. It's all rotten. You may treat it with more uh, uh, pesticides and do all kinds of stuff, but the real issue is at the root. It's called root rot. And for many of us, again, we deal with the symptoms, the fruit, and never really deal with the root issue. But this is what happens with Peter and John. Look at verse four. But Peter, but Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He was looking for them to open up their wallet for a handout. Verse six. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And when he calls on the name, he's calling on the power and authority of Jesus. And grasping by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles are strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, and, and they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here's what they do. Peter and John recognize that this man's problem is not a need for more money. He doesn't need more counseling. He doesn't need a friend. What he needs, the root issue, is to be healed of his lameness. This is the period. This is one of the first miracles recorded in Acts. 14 miracles occur in the book of Acts. And this is uh, one of them here that Peter says in the name of Jesus, by the authority, by the power of Jesus, your need is to be able to walk. Now, I don't know if there's any doctors or nurses in the room, but picture this, a man who has been lame, unable to walk for 40 plus years. Imagine how his legs are. His muscles are probably atrophied because he's never used them. But in an instant, in an instant, he's healed. And not only is he able to walk, and it's not like a, 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 a stumbling kind of walk, he's able to leap like Michael Jordan. The strength and power is restored to his legs instantly because they recognize his root problem is not a need for money or want for money or more counseling. His root issue is this man needs a walk. And this is what it's a physical picture of, a spiritual thing. His spiritual lameness. And this is what we see in Acts, that the miracles back up the message. Because the apostles are going out and proclaiming the gospel now, we see again 14 miracles that validate the message of the apostles, the gospel that they're preaching. And so it's a physical picture of something that he needed spiritually, that we are broken and sinful. That's the root issue for all of our issues is we are broken and sinful, and he had spiritual lameness. And what happens? They address the root issue. Here's point number two. But we must apply the kingdom to the root of our problems. The miracle validates the message. How do we know this? Look at Acts 
He says, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. So we talked about the kingdom two weeks ago. The kingdom is the rule and power, the power and authority of Jesus Christ. So we discover the root, not this fruit, the root. What's the core issue or the issues? And then we apply the power and authority, the word of Jesus Christ to that issue. That's what we do. So again, it's much easier to deal with just the fruit, the symptoms, like people have been doing for years, tossing them a few dollars. But what Peter and John do is they get to the root issue is his lameness, his inability to walk. Now that he's able to walk, he can now work. Now that he's able to work, he'll have an income. Maybe other things he's been hindered from doing are now available to him because they have dealt with the root issue. Um, But often getting to the root issue is hard and painful. Listen to this quote I saw this week. Quite often we call upon God to ease our pain without wanting him to change our character. That's Pastor A.R. Bernard from New York City. Quite often we call upon God to ease our pain without wanting him to change our character. So they get to the root issue, but very often for us, in our individual lives, in our community of faith, in our marriages, getting to that root issue, peeling back the onion layers can be very painful. Um, I was reminded of this. I was talking to Ryan Vinzant, our student ministry pastor this week, and he was talking about just a, a time that God kind of protected him this last week. He said that there's a large overgrown bush in his yard. And he got the clipper thing out, that hedge climber, tripper, trimmer. And he, he found this main little big branch and he tried to get around it and he couldn't cut it. It was like deep in the core of this bush. So what he decided to do was cut the outer branches first that were much thinner. He cut the outer branches first. And this is what he discovered. At the very center, that very big branch was a hornet's nest. And he said, if I had cut that big branch first, the hornet's nest would have dropped and I would have gotten a stung and attacked by these hornets. And so he said, I'm glad I cut these outer things first before because in the center was this hornet's nest. And I said, that's a sermon illustration. And he said, really? And, he, and he, I said, you should use it. And he says, you can. I said, okay, I will. <laughs> you know what? For many of us, as we get to the core of our issues and peel back the layers of the onion, in our lives, in our marriage. Do you know why we don't want to go there? Because unlike Ryan, who did not know there's a hornet's nest in the center, we know there's a hornet's nest waiting for us. We know there's some painful memories there for us. We know there's some confession that's there for us. Confessing sin, selfishness to God. Confessing our sins to others. We know that there's some traumatic events that have happened that we have to uncover as well. And so very often the reason why we don't want to go there is because we know there's a hornet's nest full of perhaps pain and stinging that lies there. We may have to ask our spouse for forgiveness. We have to ask others for forgiveness. We may have to acknowledge our own faults and foibles. So it's much easier very often to just deal with the symptoms, to numb the symptoms, to numb the pain, to avoid somebody to not ask for forgiveness, to find a new church, to find a new community group, to just get a new job. 
because we don't want to deal with that root problem. When I was a kid, um, like many of you, I had chores. And one of the chores I had was to mow the lawn. But before I was to mow the lawn, especially during the spring, my mom and dad would say to me, make sure to pull up the dandelions and the weeds. And they would say, don't just pick the flowers and pick a couple leaves, like get to the root. But this is what I would do, because I was just a lazy teenager. I would just mow. I wouldn't even pick the things. I would just mow. Because y'all, at the end of that hour, two hours, if the lawn was green and mowed, that's all that counts, right? Amen, right? But I know this is what would happen a week later because I didn't deal with the root of those dandelions, because I didn't deal with the root of those weeds, that crabgrass, you know what happened? It would come right back up again. And you all, the problems that you have in your life, in any relationship, if you do not deal with those things and you think I'll just gloss over them, mow over them, deal with the, the symptoms and the leaves, they'll come right back again. Can I give an admonishment for the parents of those with adult children? If your adult children get in some credit problems, into deep debt, right? And they're saying, hey, mom, dad, I can't pay this credit card off and the debt collectors are now calling me, right? If you go in and sweep in, swoop in like Superman or Superwoman and try to save the day and just throw a little bit of money at that problem, but you've not addressed the deeper problem of seeing money and wealth from God's perspective, of seeing money as a stewardship issue, as management and financial management, you know what you've done? It's going to come right back again. Maybe a year later, two years later, it's going to come back again. Um, for those of you who are constantly tired, exhausted, running on fumes, the answer is not more Red Bull. The answer is not more triple espressos. If you don't deal with the root cause of why you're always so tired, more coffee, more espressos, more whatever is not going to do it for you. You're just treating the symptoms. That thing is going to kick right up again. So what Peter and John do is they address the root issue. Again, point number two, we must apply the kingdom, the rule and power of Jesus Christ to the root of our problems. And it may get difficult. It may get hard. Um, if I can recommend a resource, so I'm taking some of our staff members through this book called How People Change by Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp, How People Change, and we're working on a leadership development curriculum right now as we try to develop more leaders here at Bay City Fellowship. This will probably be a required reading, How People Change by Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp, and what this book does is it uses that same thing, root and fruit, symptoms and source. And it says, you as an individual believer, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you've addressed your greatest need, which is to be reconciled to God, God the Father, through Jesus Christ. But then you have growth, sanctification that occurs. How does that happen in a broken, fallen world? You still with this thing called the flesh. How does that happen? And it addresses those issues. On top of that, it now helps you not to be like some amateur Christian counselor, but out of a genuine believer who loves other believers and is a community of faith, how you can help others grow as well. How you can minister to people. How you can come alongside and fulfill the 53 one another's of the Bible. And it addresses again the root issues at the bottom rather than just addressing the fruit issues at the top. The thorns and the thistles and the things that bother us. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. This is what God does. 
Whenever God transforms us, whether instantly through salvation, we're justified, and that's a miracle in and of itself that spiritually dead people God brings to life. But when God changes us, when God heals us, when God opens a door, this is what happens in verse 11. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico named Solomon's, uh, named Solomon's completely astonished. When Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us as though by our own power of godliness we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for murder to be granted to you. Uh, but put to death the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are all witnesses." Verse 16 again. And on the basis of faith in his name is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see now and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Then in verses 17 and on through 26, he gives this sermon to the Jews, this Old Testament apologetics, one of six of Peter's sermons. This is his second sermon where he gives this Old Testament apologetics. He says, look at what Moses wrote. Look what the prophets wrote and it was all pointing to Jesus that you rejected. So he tells them to repent and return. And if they repent and return, they'll be refreshed and restored. That's the rest of the message. So here's point number three. When you and others see the kingdom at work, the rule of Jesus at work, use that platform to share the gospel. Use that platform to share the gospel. And that's what we see right here. Peter and John, we see this man healed instantly. The power of Jesus working. And notice this too. Where is Jesus at this point of the story? He's ascended, right? Acts 1, we looked at two weeks ago. Acts 1, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Even though Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is the one that healed this man? Okay, three people were listening. Verse 16 again. It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man. All right, Old Testament answers probably Moses. New Testament probably Jesus, maybe Paul. Who healed this man? Jesus. Right, it's Jesus continuing to work through the apostles. Now here's the good news. It's the work of Jesus. The good news is this. Jesus is still working today, and guess who he's working through? You and I, us. He's working through us. And so whenever we see transformation, whether someone comes to faith in Jesus, someone is healed, someone is transformed, someone is more like Christ, that gives us a platform, an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's God's setup. And what happens in chapter four is this. 5,000 Jews come to faith in Jesus Christ because this one man is healed. He believed, he believed that God could heal him. He believed God would forgive him. And in that instant, he didn't get a handout. He got a hand up from Peter. And now he's walking and people see this. So here's the thing. Tomorrow, and this is true if God is changing your life. If you submitted to Jesus saying, would you change my life? When you go to work tomorrow and you have that coworker that says, you know what? You're different than everyone else on this project. Everyone else is all out for themselves, but you always seem to help other people. What's different about you? God is setting you up. God's setting you up. You know what? You've been working at this company for three years. And when you came, you were fresh out of AM and kind of confused. But I've seen you grow and mature. God's setting you up. Okay, UT. You were coming out of UT confused and lost. 
When people see your life change, it's a setup. When you are the one who maybe had an illness or had a family with an illness, God doesn't heal you just for you because it's inconvenient and painful for you. He heals you so that you will testify about him. So you'll testify and declare his goodness and say, Jesus is the one. When you're the one who says, you know what, I've been out of work and you have friends praying for you, family praying for you, and God gives you a job, God is setting you up. God's setting you up. When you have a financial need, a physical need, when your marriage is in shambles and God changes it and transforms it, God is setting you up. That's what he's doing. And Peter takes opportunity and 5,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So here's a prayer you can pray. Prayer you can pray. God, this is what I'm praying for. Healing. Change me. Strengthen my marriage. Transform me. Give me a job. Heal this person. And if you do, if you do, I will testify. I will witness for you. I know it's a divine setup from you. That you're doing it not just for me, so that I'll be a walking, living witness. Acts 1.8 for you. You all know, uh, both my daughters play volleyball, play tons of club volleyball, love volleyball. And because all my daughter's friends and former teammates are all over the place, I root for a ton of teams. One of the teams I root for is University of St. Thomas right here in Houston. And their setter was my daughter's club setter, her junior year and senior, her 17th and 18th year. Her name is Kelsey Walker. Kelsey's an amazing setter. And as I thought about what Kelsey does, this is what God does. God transforms you. God transforms me. God opens doors. God heals people because he is setting you up. And all a setter does to a hitter is a setter sets up a hitter to basically take advantage of the set. And I'm going to warn you though. I'm going to warn you. Every now and then it's awesome when there's no blockers and your setter sets you up and you take advantage of it and boom, you have the opportunity to testify. But here's the thing. There's a rival kingdom, you all. The Bible says in Colossians that God did in Colossians 3 that he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the wonderful kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. And there's a rival kingdom. Just like in volleyball, there's someone who's trying to stop you. There's an opposition trying to stop you. So when God, again, heals you and transforms you, you see the power of Jesus work in your life, through your life, around your life, and God gives you that opportunity to testify, know this, you'll have opposition. But again, point number three, when you, you and others see the kingdom at work, use that platform to share the gospel, even in view of opposition, which you're going to see in chapter three and four and on, begin to grow more and more. So here's the big idea for today. Apply his rule to your root. Apply the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Take the word of God as God exposes the root issues in your life and the lives of others. And again, the deepest need that all of us have from the moment we're born is for Jesus Christ as a forgiveness, uh, for the forgiveness of sins, to be right with God through him. But all other issues rooted in sinfulness and selfishness and our brokenness, to get to that and say, how do I now apply and submit to Jesus Christ? How do I take the word of God and now apply it to to that so I submit? And I don't just see the symptoms go away, the fruit go away, but I deal with it at the source. Apply his rule to your root. Here's some questions. Number one, what bad fruit do you see in or around your life right now? What are some of the symptoms that you see? And perhaps you've seen for 40 years, like everyone else has seen the lame beggar. 
that you've just ignored or numbed, blamed it or, or justified it away? What are the bad fruits, things that you see in your life right now? Number two, how have you tried to deal with the fruit instead of dealing with the root? How have you tried to deal with the fruit instead of dealing with the root? I'm going to ask this. Without looking at anybody in this room, just in case they're here, do y'all know anybody who keeps blaming all their problems on a particular church so they go find another church and then you talk to them and now they're having the same problems at that church and then they go to another church and about three months later they're having the same problems at that church and go to another church and they're having very similar problems at that other church. Probably doesn't make sense. All right, there's that person who's like dating that person and all their problems are with their boyfriend or girlfriend. So they break up. They find another boyfriend or girlfriend. And you know what? They're having the same problems. So they find another boyfriend or girlfriend. And they're having the same problems. Not registering at all. Okay, let's try this one. There's that girlfriend of yours. That guy friend of yours. That's always complaining about their job. Their boss doesn't understand them. Their coworkers all do this. And so you know what they do? They find another job. Because the problem is a job. And they go to a new job, but then six months later, as you're having dinner with that person, you find out they're having the same problems. So they find another job, and they're having the same problems. Could it be that maybe it's not the job, it's not the relationship, and it's not the church? It's just a failure that you have not addressed the root issues in your own life? So, number two, how have you tried to deal with the fruit instead of dealing with the root? Have you gone from job to job to job? from relationship to relationship, from church to church to church, when really God is saying, what's the root issue in your life? Of course, none of us know anybody like that, right? That's... Number three, how can you apply the kingdom, the rule of Christ to your root, and where do you need to submit to the king? The parking lot for the church I was a pastor, we rented or leased from Star Hope. Now, Star Hope, if you've heard that name before, is a homeless ministry here in greater Houston. They've got four locations throughout Houston. Actually, I think it's now down to three. This is what I love about Star Hope. Star Hope provides a roof over your head, provides warm meals. All great if you're homeless, for sure. Definitely needed. But what they do is they get to the root issues. If that man or woman that's homeless does not have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, is not filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing they do is share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I love the ministry. They have chapel in the morning and in the afternoon. If there's anyone in here who's like called to preach and you're mad because you never get a chance to preach at church or whatever it may be, call Star Hope. They have a men's shelter. They need preachers all the time. All the time. So they have a morning chapel, evening chapel. They have Bible studies throughout the day. If you have not heard about Jesus and his saving grace at Star Hope, there's something, your ears must be clogged. So they recognize that the root issue is a need for Jesus. But secondly, they also look at other root issues. If they give you a job, they do job training. They help you find a job. They help you find an apartment. They help you get back on your feet. They get you a bus pass. They do all these things. But if at the root still you have an addiction issue, 
right? You're just going to go find a new job and you're going to probably blow it all on something as well. So this is what they do. They have counseling as well. Because they recognize we have to deal with that root of addictions, to deal with trauma in your life, to deal with pain in your life. So Star Hope is a holistic ministry that really gets to the root. And friends, that's not just true for our homeless brothers and sisters. That's true for every one of us in here in the room as well. <laughs> okay. I know my preaching is painful, but I didn't know it was that painful. So that's a root issue right there. Um, but in all seriousness, to deal with the root issues in your life, painful as they are, let's pray. Um, God, I pray now uh, for us today. Uh, thank you for Peter and uh, John. Many saw this man who'd been lame since birth for 40 years, and no one ever addressed that root issue of his lameness, his inability to walk. Uh, no one ever brought him to Jesus. Perhaps uh, he had even heard of Jesus and seen Jesus. So God, I pray now for us. Would you transform us? Would you change us, God? Would you sanctify us? Make us more like Jesus Christ. We take on the character, the love, the selflessness of Jesus. And as people see that, and you set us up like a divine setter, God, that we would take full advantage of that as a setup from you to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, so that men and women, boys and girls, who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would be forgiven for all of their sins, past, present, and future. God, if there's anyone here today that has yet to put their faith in Christ, God, today we pray that today be the day they do that, to address their deepest core need, a broken relationship with you. God, I pray for others, God. Uh, perhaps we're walking into a hornet's nest as we peel back the layers, as we peel back the varnish, the image keeping, and asking like Psalm 51 for your spirit to examine our hearts. God, we apply the rule and power the authority of Jesus to that root issue and find healing, restoration, and refreshment. And in so doing, as you give us that platform to testify about you and your power to others, we ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come on up to my left and right. If you need prayer today, if there's something, a root issue you need prayer for, they're available. Also, we have an app as well. You can submit a prayer request on the app. We pray as elders at Spring Branch on Thursday mornings at 6.15. We'd love to join you in prayer. But if there's a root issue you need prayer for, or if you have perhaps today trusted Jesus, the Lord Jesus as your Savior, the prayer team is now available.